Shalom, this is Yehudi Feldman. We're resuming Sefer Mishlei, Perak Chafhei, Pasuk Bet. We're going to go on to Pasuk Chafzayin today. Kavod Elohim Haster Davar, Uchavod Melachim Chakor Davar. This is the only place in Sefer Mishlei where you have the Shem Hashem Elohim, not the usual Yud Kei I suspect the reference is to the creation of the world, where the term used in the entire creation story is uh, Elohim and not Yud Kei uh, The point being, about the creation is a great deal that's hidden. Don't look above you, don't look below you. But what Malachim do, that's human beings, and that should be thoroughly investigated. It's better for everyone concerned, for the government, if the eyes of the people are watching every single thing the government does. Shamayim Larum, Va'aret Laomek, Belev Malachim, Ein Cheker. Again, a creation reference as high as the heavens and as deep as the depth of the earth. Uh, it's difficult to fathom what's going on in the highest reaches of government, uh, as we all very well know. In order for the monarchy to succeed, remember these last whole few took him up to about Pasuk, uh, you know, six to seven, is talking primarily about the royal court. It's being presented as, you know, Asher HaTiku Melech And it's also talking about how you achieve justice. You achieve justice by getting the impurities out of the body politic, like you get impurities out of metal. And of course, that also means you have to get the wicked people out of positions of influence if you want to establish the throne of the king in justice. Remember, as far as the Tanakh is concerned, the main function of the king is to see to it that justice is prevailing throughout the kingdom. Mishpat That's what the king is there for. Okay? You know, the king is there to see to it that the poor are not oppressed, that the widows and orphans are properly taken care of. Uh, that's their job. You know, Psalm 72 makes it very clear. It's dedicated to Shlomo. It makes it very clear what is thought of as Shlomo's, you know, main tough kid, which is to see to it that the kingdom is enthroned in justice. Al titadarlef ne'melech uvumakom gedolim al ta'amod. Ki tov amalacha aleheina uh, the idea here being is don't show off when you're in, in, in the presence of the king. Don't don't try to dress fancy in the king's dress. You know, don't come to an audience with a high person trying to look like you're more important than the high person is. Know what your place is. That's the fundamental point here is know your place. Chazal have a beautiful drash about this that, you know, Moshe Rabbeinu said Hineni, but he said Hineni and he didn't meet it because, you know, when Hashem actually told him what he wanted him to do, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't want to do it. Whereas Avram Avinu 
when, I, when he said he named he meant it. And when Hashem told him what was being asked of him, Avraham Avinu came Avraham Baboker, didn't argue, didn't have a whole scene, just went and did exactly what Hashem commanded him to do. So when Moshe decided to come close, Hashem says to him, I'll take Rav Halom. Don't think for a minute that you're on the level of Abraham Avinu Moshe. You don't even you don't even have a you don't even stand in a place that he stands on. You know this is all you know. Um, the Midrash makes it very clear that you know Moshe Rabbeinu you know is not a spiritual figure on his own on the level of Abraham Avinu. Kitov Amalacha Alehena. Better that they should ask you to come up than you should run up and they push you down. I think the end of Pasuk Zion goes more with the forthcoming Pasuk Chet. So I'm going to read it this way. Asher ra'u enecha al riv my hair. Pen mata acharita bahachlim otcharecha. As you have seen, it's not a good idea. Notice this is an appeal to experience. Now, as I said, that's much more likely to be seen in Kohelet than in Mishle, a personal experience type of appeal. But, you know, uh, what the experience was here is a person's always in a hurry to get into a quarrel. And then it turns out that the quarrel that they were in such a hurry to get into you know, they were wrong about. And by the time the quarrel comes to an end, it becomes apparent that you should never start the quarrel in the first place. So think carefully before you start one. And if you do start one, now here, riv et reyecha in verse 9 means you have a quarrel with someone, take them to court. That's what riv means, take them to court. You know, if you're going to have a quarrel, go to a place where it'll be settled properly, but don't use sod acher, don't reveal someone else's private information in order to get yourself, you know, what you think is to the right in the, in the quarrel. And it's one of the things Mishle is very, very strong about is nobody should ever give away someone else's private information, even if they think it might reflect better on the person whose information it is. If they don't want it publicized, and you publicize it, that's rechila. Furthermore, pen yechastecha shomei, I notice the same format as in verse 8, v'dibatcha lo tashov. Here the word chesed clearly means shame, like it did in chapter 14, verse 34, and does in, you know, when a brother and sister have intercourse in, in, in Vayikra, chesed who, meaning this is a shame, okay? You're the one who's going to end up being shaming, and furthermore, your diba, which is the bad things you said about a third party, you're not going to be able to take back. It's sort of like what Yosef did with his brothers. That was not smart. Yosef ends up being the, the absolute prototype of a Chacham. But he doesn't start out that way. He has no business saying Lashon Harab about his brothers. And furthermore, he has no business boasting about his dreams of glory to his brothers. But he learns from his experience. That's what a Chacham is, a person who learns from their experiences. Now comes the puzzle that Rashi made very famous in his parish on Sefer Breshit at the, as towards the very beginning. Tapuche Zahav Maskiot Kesef Davar 
davur al ofenov. You know, apples, golden apples and silver showpieces is a phrase well turned, but it also could mean something properly said. So Rashi uses this marshal in his parish on Vayishma'u et ka Shemohim Bitalech Bagam Ruachayo. Now remember Rashi does not have a formal introduction to his parish on the Torah. So the closest thing you have to this is when in that pasuk he says, Rabotenu Darshu, all kinds of things, Ba'anibati Lufaresh etamikra Alpi Pishuto. And then he goes on to say, Davar Davor al Ofanov. One of the things that really, you know, sticks out about Rashi's parish is that he doesn't use very many words, but whatever the words he uses are hit right to the point. You know, that's why Rashi wrote the greatest parish that was ever written on, on, on Tanakh, and nobody has ever been able to come close to his achievement. Because in, in and why all the other people who wrote Perushim afterwards are essentially, you know, like a ship going in the wake of another ship. In other words, Rashi's parish is the one that basically set the course of how Perushim were going to be done. Like the Ramban says, Lo Mishpata Bukharat talking about Rashi's parish. Because Rashi you know, Rashi's parish became a definitive parish. Come to Shul and see a Khumash that's published without Rashi's parish, you won't be able to even find one. Because everyone understands and Chumash with Rashi is the way you learn Chumash. And that's that's because Rashi succeeded in his program of Davar Davor Alp Alpanov, saying the thing the way it should be said. Nezem Zahav Achali Chatem Mochiach Chacham Al Ozen Shomat. This too is a point about saying the thing properly. If you're going to reprove someone, say it to a person who says it in a way that the person wants to hear. And furthermore, you know, if it is done that well, it's like a ring of gold, golden ornament, an earring. In other words, the point being that Mishlei often uses as a marshal the gold, silver, ornament, stuff of this nature, to say that Chachma is better than even they are, and that uh, the proper way of presenting Chachma is very important in order for it to be digested. This pasuk ends a parshia, and furthermore, it starts a Seder in Sefer Mishlei. If you look in your Koran or Choret Tanakh, you'll see on the, on, the, on the side column either a Samach, meaning Seder, or a number of a Seder. So this Pesach obviously is pretty central in terms of the way the Messorah sees Sefer Mishlei. Remember, uh, in the entire section Mishlei Shlomo, the 375 verses from 10 to 22, I think they were all together maybe two or three Parshia breaks. There are eight just from 25 to 29, and there are eight more just in chapter 30 alone. So obviously, the collection in the middle of the Sefer is one big collection. Here you have a whole bunch of little collections being sort of brought together. Like the snow-cooled drink at harvest time, so is a dependable uh, ambassador to the person who sends the ambassador, and he brings the spirits of the sender back to life. 
I would say this to characterize Hatach, the person who was the go-between between Mordechai and Esther, at the critical point after Haman persuades Ahasuerus to send out a decree announcing the, uh, the, the, the extermination of all the Jews in the Persian Empire. Mordechai, remember, cannot have any personal contact with Esther. She's inside a harem, and the only way the two can communicate is by means of this messenger. And the communications which are described in some detail in the fourth chapter of Megillah Esther are being entrusted to this person, and if this person, Hatach, does not actually communicate what's being said accurately, then the fate of the entire Jewish people is hanging in the balance. And, but he does communicate them accurately, and he brings everyone back to life. I think the phrase nefesh adonav yashiv also has that feeling of bayom hashri shavat bayinafash. You know, Hashem somehow came back to life. Now, obviously, that's metaphorical, but it gets the crux of the point across was this Shabbat brings us back to life. That's why we have to, you know, smell b'samim after it comes to an end because we're about to lose that extra life. Nesim v'ruach v'gershem ayin ish metaleo b'matat sheker. When a person boasts of a contribution that they don't eventually make or they have no intention of making, it's like the clouds come to promise rain and then there never is any rain. Now, remember, in the in Eretz Israel, rain is a blessing and it's prayed for all the time. Nobody in Eretz Israel ever says, oh my, it's miserable, it's raining. Rain is what keeps, you know, the crops going, and it's something you pray for, so that if it looks like it's coming and then it doesn't come, it's a terrible disappointment. But the erech apayim yefutek katsin uleshon rakatishbar gerem. Lashon is basically the tongue, and the point here being with the tongue, which does not have a bone in it, is it can talk a person who basically wants to do one thing and to do something else because that's the nature of human existence. The right words will win over people. Through forbearance, a ruler can be won over. And so too, you know, the the soft tongue can basically cause someone who's made up their mind to change their mind. Dvash matsata echo dayeka if you happen to run into some honey, now again, in Tanakh there's two types of honey. The usual type of honey is honey that comes from a palm tree. But once in a while people encounter honey from a beehive like Shimshon did. When you find that, which means you didn't look for it, it means you ran into it. The word matzah also has two meanings. One is to find something that you were looking for, but the word matzah could also mean just to encounter. By Was Yosef being looked for by that person? No, he just, they ran into each other. So here it means if you happen to run into some bee honey, go, go help yourself, but don't, don't, Take so much that you want to throw it up. Now, again, here, again, is a third word that has two meanings, sova. Sova could mean to, to, to have your full of something in a sense of, sense of something pleasant. But it also could mean I'm stuffed to the point that I can't have another thing. Now, for example, 
when Hashem says, Sabati alote lim, you know, that means I've had enough over stuff, please stop, you know, um, uh, I, I, I want to throw it up. Whereas when in the Tanakh says a person is Savaya Mim, it doesn't mean they want to die. It means they've lived a long and happy life. The same exact word. Again, the idea is make sure that your visits to other people are dear. Meaning you don't make too many of them. Because if you do, the person who you're making the visits to is going to get fed up with you and hate you. Going and testifying falsely against your neighbor or saying bad things about your neighbor, you know, is the equivalent of shooting arrows into them or a sword into them or hitting them with a hammer. May fifth probably means the same as ma pates, which is the word that's used in Yemio as a substitute for patish. And, you know, chetz is a, 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 a word for Lashon Haran to Hillam as well. The idea being, what, what's the problem with Lashon Haran? The person who fires the arrow that may not even, you know, be close to the person who's the target of the arrow. So the problem with Lashon Haran is it gets, gets out into the air like an arrow, and then you never know who, where it's going to hit, okay? And the person who, you know, the person who, where it does hit may not even be the person who's the target. So, you know, that's the idea basically here is watch what you say. Be extremely careful when you think before you talk rather than the other way around. Shane Roa Verega Mo'edet Miftach is similar to the mashal about the Siyem Baruch if you're depending on something to be your refuge in a time of trouble or someone and that support is not there then it's like a rotten tooth or a leg that's about it doesn't really support you um, from you know ma'adati uh, that means I, I tripped in other words the point being that you know don't tell people you're going to be there for them when you're not there for them. One of the most, I think, really turn-off practices is when people say, if there's anything I can do, please call me, when they have not the slightest intention of actually doing anything, you know, and, and and they really don't want the other person to call them. A person who sings songs and starts playing music to try to soothe another person who basically, let's say, is in you know is depressed because of something terrible that's happened to them, like let's say Eov, you know, is is just inappropriate. It's it's like it's it's like wearing clothing that's inadequate on a cold day or a term of vinegar on natron, which is, you know, well, let's just call it vinegar on a wound. Okay? It's enough to say it's inappropriate. It doesn't help. It makes things worse. Now, again, this is talking about if the, if the loss that the person has had is such that the something like music is just totally inappropriate. It doesn't mean if a person is just down and out. When Shaul was down and out, David's music did help him. But Shaul was down and out because of something that wasn't really objective, it was more a mood issue. Whereas Eov has something objective. 
And any person who's sitting Shiva has something objective. Okay, new parsia. In Ra'ev, Sona Acha, Ha'achilehu Lechem, Liam Same, Hashkehu Mayan, Kigechalim, Ata, Chote, Aroshov, Hashem Yishalim Lach. This is a utilitarian mashal. Do the right thing if your person you're, who's an enemy of yours is hungry, give them bread to eat. They're thirsty, give them water to, dr- to drink because it's the equivalent of putting live coals on their head and Hashem will pay you back for the good thing you're doing. Now that could also mean that the person who is not your friend is going to be so surprised by the fact that you do this that they'll lose their enmity towards you. Either way, you'll notice Mishlei's entire way of approaching life is more a practical, utilitarian way. Do the right thing because it pays off. That's not necessarily the way the Tanakh as a whole takes it. Is You know, Tanakh will not go along with a statement like, crime does not pay, okay? Tanakh would say crime is wrong, okay? Whether it pays or not. But Mishle has this approach which often will say things along the practical lines of, you know, you do the right thing, Hashem will always see to it that it comes out right for you. And if you do the wrong thing, Hashem might end up frowning on you. So don't be happy, let's say, at your enemy's downfall. Pen your Hashem and he'll get angry at you. Ruach tzafon t'chalel geshem upanim nizamim l'shon seter. Okay, the subject here is l'shon seter. Secrets, things that people talk about in whispers and, you know, talking behind people's back. You know, that type of thing causes angry faces just the way the north wind brings about the rain. In other words, don't, don't let people see that you're talking about them or that, you know, just in general, try not to basically look like you're having private conversations when other people are present, like they're being excluded. It, it just, it, it causes people to feel left out. It, it's just, you know, it's a bad thing to do. You go to shul, talk Torah to your friends, talk about the Parsha, talk about the Haftarah, Talk about the rabbis of our Torah. Talk about the tefillah. But don't talk about the latest. You know, all that kind of stuff always ends up causing problems. Tov shevet al pinat gag medanim This is the exact duplicate of a mashal we've had before. So the question comes as to why do we have in this collection, Mishalim, that we had in other collections, word for word. Answer, number one, they're sometimes put in different contexts. But number two, I think we have to realize that um, they are coming from different collections and the editors did not necessarily bother to sit and decide, you know, uh, since Mishle is going to finish with a whole pian to the virtuous woman, you know, periodically it, it, it drops these zaps on non-virtuous women and, you know, the end result of the book is a pretty balanced picture. Mayim karim al nefesh ayefa ushmua tova me'eretz merchak. We pointed out that the word nefesh means in the Tanakh often the appetite and the thirst. So mayim karim al nefesh ayefa means a, a thirsty. You know when when a, when Esav comes back v'hu ayef, it doesn't mean he's tired. It means he's thirsty. And shmua tova me'eretz merchak. I would say is something like the Midrash says. This is Yaakov Avinu when he heard that Yosef was still alive.
a, a piece of news from the distant land that brought him back to life like cold water on a thirsty soul. Mayan near Panotis, that the first puzzle, 25, talks about uh, Mayan Karim, good water, second, rotten water. Mayan near Pash, Refesh, okay, Umakar, Mashchat, Tzadik, Mat, with Nehrashat. This could be understood in two ways. One would be that rotten water, spoiled water, is, you know, is, 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 if a righteous man falls in front of a wicked one, but it could also mean if a righteous person, you know, becomes obsequious towards a wicked one, gives way before a wicked one. Now that's different. In other words, we're talking about a righteous person who allows themselves to go away from the way of righteousness because they want to win favor with a wicked person. Breshit Rabbah, the beginning of Parshat Vayishlach, bitterly criticizes Yaakov Avinu for sending messengers to start up with Esav. Esav is on a hunting party, and, you know, Yaakov has to start up with him. Why did you have to start up with him? You know, in other words, it's very clear here that Yaakov is basically doing everything possible to curry favor with Esav. And, you know, it looks for him like if he's basically... You know, he calls about Esau Adoni. He calls himself Eved. Okay, granted, Yaakov has a lot to make up for with what he did to Esau 22 years before. But a long time has gone by. And, you know, why don't you just have the encounter and see what happens? I think uh, a point being made here is it looks very strange. And Bresha Rabba comments on it. This Pasuk is like the inclusio that goes with Pasuk Bet of this Parsha. You know, remember we were talking about Kavod, Malachim, Chakor, Dovor. So now we have Cheker, Kavodam, Kavod. Now, we had already the bit about the Vash, too much is not good. But the second half of this verse is what causes the difficulty. Just what does it mean, and how does it fit with the first part of the verse? And you, if you refer it back to Pasuk Bet, then there's no problem. It's, it's not good to have too much honey, but it is good to work out things like Kavod Malachim, you know, to chakor them, to make sure that the work of the government works out properly. However, the Midrash and some of them of Farshim have a good time with this second half of verse 27. And I say, read it as if it said, V'cheker kibudim mi kavod, V'cheker kavod mi kavod, meaning, Koharodef acharei kavod hakavod baracha mimenu. Don't look for kavod. Okay. Uh, we are done. We're going to take verse 28 and attach it because I think it works better as an introduction to uh, chapter 26. and 28, I mean. And tomorrow, excuse me, 26. And tomorrow we're going to do uh, chapter 26. Shalom.